Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Paul, are, are you emotionally available? Are you, are you emotionally oh, hell no. happy? Are you emotionally no. available? Hey, maybe you're emotionally available to go and, <laughs> and murder some children. I mean, that's... Uh, no. You're listening to the premier podcast for men who want to not only be better with women, but want to be better men in general. This is the Come On Man podcast. And here's your host, Paul Bauer. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another week of Come On Man. If you haven't done so already, please like, subscribe, hit those notifications. You should know what to do by now. Drop a comment. Any comment will do. Your favorite emoji, it doesn't matter. If you guys are listening on your favorite audio platform of choice, give us a five-star review. And uh, you know I'll read it on an upcoming episode. Those types of things help help us in the algorithm and helps us get in front of other men. So please do that. Please take the time to do that. It's funny. People who hate the show and hate my videos have no problem stopping what they're doing to write a comment. If you like the show, <laughs> the least you could do is stop what you're doing and write a five-star review. You know what I mean? Uh, send super chats during this. I can't read them out loud because this is a pre-record, but I will see it on the back end and I'll screenshot that and share that on social media. But this sort of thing helps support the show probably more than anything else. Follow me on social media. The links are in the description. Get on the email list, list.comeonmanpod.com. Get your PDF with your free 2020 dating app openers that are guaranteed to capture a woman's attention in the first seven words. I'll also mail you some stickers as well. If you like those designs, they're also available as merch at merch.comeonmanpod.com. You can get hats and hoodies and t-shirts and all that fun stuff. Check out my Practical Law of Attraction course. I'll be playing a commercial for that. Join the beer club, guys. The next beer club hangout is October 26th. It's going to be a Halloween hangout. Uh, you can join for free with a free trial. See if you like it or not. And then if you do, stay in the group. It's only 10 bucks a month. Uh, if you don't like it, cancel anytime. No problem. And then coaching is available at gumroad.comeonmanpod.com. All right. My guest this week, guys, is a good friend of mine. I really like this guy. He's been on the podcast before a couple of times. You uh, have seen me with him on the Dragon Ship. You've seen me with him on Rule Zero. It's my good friend, RP Thor. And we're going to be talking about his book about how to have a dominant masculine presence today. And it's such an important topic. It's such a good book. And a lot of guys just have never taught what it's like to have, uh, have never been taught how to have a dominant masculine presence. So we get into that today. We talk about that. We talk about his audiobook, all sorts of things and how important it is. And I will bring you that conversation right after these words. Are you struggling to find a good quality woman? They are very rare indeed these days. If you spend any time at all watching content in the men's podcast space, or you spend time on dating apps or going out to clubs, you're seeing low quality promiscuous women. You're finding women with daddy issues and personality disorders. 
or a myriad of other red flags and you are frustrated. I get it, brother, but what if I were to tell you that the reason why you're only seeing these types of women is because of your mindset, because of your paradigm. We get what we focus on in life and you have trained your mind to focus on the type of women that you don't want. So those are the types of women that keep showing up for you again and again. Let's change that mindset today. If you're a guy looking to attract high quality, submissive women into your life, then I've got the perfect solution for you. And let me tell you, brother, it's all about mindset. That's right, you've got to reprogram your thinking to focus on the type of women you do want. That's where my Practical Law of Attraction course comes in. It's packed with proven psychology-based techniques that will help you manifest your dream woman. Trust me, you won't find this stuff anywhere else. Explained in such a simple, easy to use way. And let me tell you, when you start using these methods, you'll be amazed at how quickly things start changing for you. Picture this, you're out on the town, feeling confident and magnetic. All the women are drawn to you like moth to a flame. And best of all, you're attracting the type of women that are submissive and high quality. It's not that they weren't there before, that you weren't aware of them before. My course will teach you how to be more hyper aware of the kind of women that you actually want. It will teach you to believe that you're the most attractive man around. And when you believe it, you'll carry yourself that way. So what are you waiting for? Sign up for my course today. Visit loa.comeonmanpod.com. That's loa.comeonmanpod.com. Start living the life you've always dreamed of. Don't miss out on this opportunity to up your game and find the woman of your dreams. The law of attraction is nothing without action. So what are you waiting for? Act now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, returning to the podcast this week is my friend, the God amongst men, R.P. Thor, one of the most masculine dudes on the planet, according to King Dre. Unless you've been living under a rock, you've probably heard about his book, A Dominant Masculine Presence. What's going on, Thor? I'm, I'm glad we finally got to sit down and specifically talk about your book today. The most masculine man on the fucking planet that I've ever seen, Red Pill Thor. That's right, man. Good to be here. Thanks for inviting me, man. I really appreciate it. It's been a long time coming, you know. Yeah, I, yeah, and, and I, I, I listened to your book before it was officially official. Yeah, I you, did. A, I did. A, I did a rough draft. I think it was the second, the final edition, and I went ahead and I just read it out loud mm -hmm. because I wanted my friends to understand what was coming. And you actually wrote me a really nice uh uh introduction statement or kind of a it's not really a review but it's a um like a recommendation you know where you see it on the inside of the book right there man come on man podcast paul bauer i noticed that yeah because uh you also in the set top me up position did you see it's in the very I, did. I saw that i made number one <laughs> you did well it before clary right. before clary before rollo this guy and before <laughs> my Viking son, who I love dearly, but you actually made it a, ahead of my long lost Viking son. Yeah. Well, your he's favorite a jabroni. jabroni. He's a jabroni. Yeah. <laughs> That's, this is actually coming out after fall fight club. So yeah. we, we won't, we won't discuss how that, how that turned out, but um, <laughs> cause they'll have to buy the pay-per-view. Yes. They'll have to buy the pay-per-view. So yeah. Speaking of the beginning of the book though. So Cappy and Rolo, 
wrote the forward and introductions. And one thing that stuck out to me is that Rolo said you helped him buy his 2011 Camaro. Can you tell well, us that story? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, he was short stacks of cash and uh, yeah, he needed about 10 G's and I had 10 bands on me. I just went, there you go. I'll just get that shit right now. No. <laughs> Yeah, he'll, hold on. It's let a me good just, story, right? Yeah, let me just. You know what? Oh, you need you borrow oh, some yeah, money. Oh yeah, the rational mile needed some petty cash, so you know, a lesser god amongst men helped him out. <laughs> no, it didn't quite go down like that. <laughs> Rollo was in Vegas. I was in Vegas. Uh, we did some podcasting, but um, uh, mostly I was out there visiting uh, Aaron, our, our mutual friend Aaron Calary Cappy, mm-hmm. and uh, was with him. And then Rollo was with us. Uh, and we were at a cigar bar for a while. Really enjoyed just being normal dudes, very down to earth men. And he asked me, he goes, Hey, you know what? I'm looking at a car tomorrow. Is do you have any availability? I don't have a rental here. I'd have to Uber over and give us a, a chance to hang out some more. And I'm like, Yeah, sure, man. What time? So picked him up at his uh, hotel. We ran over and took a look at this Camaro. And he like looks at me, he says, Let's go for a test drive. Mm-hmm. And it's convertible. Yeah. And uh, I, I should have videoed it because he was cool with it. But man, you know, we turned up the Slayer and uh, <laughs> I ran down the street and he punched it. And you could tell this was uh, hitting an old spot that he needed to be that needed to be scratched. And we laughed about it pretty hard. And we were done. He's like, fuck, we need to do this and maybe hit a concert down here one time. You know, that was going to be his runabout. Uh, since then, I think he's decided to do some, maybe I'm wrong, but he decided to do some upgrades to it. So he took it back to Reno, but, uh, yeah, that was a really good time. And it was a good time to get to know him, you know, a pretty down to earth, uh, guy. Uh, when I first heard of Rolo and, and looked at Rolo, you know, he seemed like a corporate, uh, sales guy with, uh, you know, he was a, some kind of art design manager in the alcohol industry with a really good book, by the way, cause I read it in December, 2013, mm-hmm. um, a seminal work actually uh i can't say that it inspired me but it did in some ways when i started to actually write my book uh i looked at his book and shit man i gripped my teeth and went uh here we go <laughs> you know <laughs> it was it was it was like a gunfight was coming but uh no he did kind of inspire me with it and uh you do have a was, you do have quite a bit of rollo quotes in your book i do because they're this is a big thing about the red pill a lot of Rolo, Rolo's quotes are really good and he formed them over a period of years. And that's what made it good because they came from reoccurring themes. And he'll even tell you this. We all stand on the shoulders of giants oh, and oh, uh, yeah. very few, all of us do. And the ones that say they don't, they're still standing on the shoulders of giants. They're just shitting on the giant's head. Um, and so, you know, he's been through the blogs. He was on Chateau Hartis and all those things. And he formulated the themes into just tight little, quotes and and sometimes maxims in fact you've read some of the maxims yeah he's got 49 maxims in uh Mm -hmm. the player's handbook and uh they have a lot of appeal because it'll kind of shock a guy into what does that mean and and so i needed that kind of impact now there's other guys in there that i quote too. robert kiyosaki has one that's massively impactful in there too that i quote from Mm -hmm. and uh believe it or not even there's even one in there andrew tate regardless of his situation super impactful it can be anybody but uh there's definitely some of those so i definitely use those at the beginning of the chapters uh i have the book segmented uh paul into you know basically I, i state the problem with masculinity today and that it's kind of a 60 or 70 year culmination of problems 
-hmm. I could go even deeper, but then, you know, it would feel kind of conspiracy, you know? Um, well, actually that's, that was my next question. So the book does start out about talking about the masculinity crisis mm -hmm. and without getting out there, yep. without, without getting too much in the weeds and conspiratorial, um, it, it, it seems to me though, that, that people are either willfully ignorant of the problem or yes. they've been too brainwashed by the feminine imperative to realize what's going on. Would you say let, that? Safe yeah. Let say? me try to summarize that. So it doesn't sound quite that way. Okay. Have you ever seen in 1980, mm -hmm. they had a, a, a Russian defector who had worked for the KGB. His name was Yuri Bezmenov. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard of him? I think I, I think I know who he is. Yeah. He was a KGB defector. And in the fifties and late sixties, they had come up with a plan that was a multi-generational plan in which they would start with school systems. And this, because they knew the school systems in the West were designed off the Prussian model, which was a part of Russia as well. And it was designed to create workers. Remember the, the USSR was the workers paradise, right? Mm -hmm. And part of their schooling system that was so effective is that they would train children from a very young age to think and hold certain ideologies and convictions. And they had learned that when you hold certain convictions, you will hold it right up to the point where the gun is at the back of your head and you will deny its existence. That's how easily it is to condition human beings. B.F. Skinner wrote about it. Uh, we adopted it and I write about it in my book. John Rockefeller adopted that uh, model and he funded the first national board of education. And to read some of those quotes that I have in the book is frightening to the core. Mm -hmm. uh, it tells you that because of uh, putting that together, uh, Basically, whoever's gone through our education system unwillingly is conditioned to be an economic slave. Now, that doesn't sound so bad, but ideologies go with it that you're not even aware of. And they they openly said that. And that particular individual became the first board member when Congress passed the law to create a national education board. So that's been in place for a very long time. Uh, so the school systems have slowly leaned left. You've heard of the Overton window. Mm -hmm. Lean left, lean left, lean left. Identity politics is how Marxism is done. And it leans, it lends itself to feminist ideology very, very well. In fact, you can even listen to some of the stuff they put out. It's very religious in nature. The convictions are so hard. In fact, it takes a trauma to turn someone around. You ever talk to an ex-feminist? There's generally some yeah. trauma involved before they wake up. Mm-hmm. So this exists. Those folks went through colleges. Then they entered into, you know, the corporations. They entered the legal system. They became the new mayors, the new board members, the supervisors, the legislatures, and they passed favorable laws towards uh, socialism and and uh, femininity, or, or not femininity, uh, feminism. And now we live in a gynocracy that is run by two branches of the same political party, uh, the Femocrats and uh, the Gynopublicans. So mm -hmm. that's what we're faced with. And they basically, one thing they understand is masculinity in its conventional form has the potential to be dangerous to their power centers. Because one thing about masculinity is we take risks. We tend to be more objective, and it's a survival trait. We problem solve. And when you have entities creating problems for people, somebody's going to solve those problems. So if you can diminish masculinity in men, you can soften that. 
you know that the Nazis actually put um, fluoride and lithium in the water to make people more docile when they had those concentration camps? Did you know, they? They sure did. And and there there are compounds that are known to do that. I'm just saying. Men's There's a lot of fluoride in our water today. Men's testosterone has fallen in the last 50 to 60 years, nearly 50%. Sperm counts are down over 45%, and it's on a straight line trajectory. Mm-hmm. So make us more docile. So I do state the problem in the book, but yeah. it's not to be so doom and gloom. It's because the solution is real easy. The second part of the book, it really states the fundamental, which is you're going to learn how to co- cultivate your authentic self as a man and display supreme confidence and control over how you are perceived in the world, basically to shape your reality and, and those around you. I know that sounds like a lot of words, but it's really important that you do that. Uh, and you can do that by uh, taking action. Action is everything a man needs to become. It is literally everything. We get stuck with our training to do circular thinking. Yes, there is internal trauma. Everybody's had trauma and a little bit of, you know, problems here and there. That's part of the human condition. Overcoming them and getting past them and being in the moment is amazing. That's the part that really counts. Some of us get so trapped in circular thinking that we'll we'll listen to all the self-help stuff. We'll read all the books. And now we have so much in front of us, we have the paradox of choice. And so our circular thinking is preventing us from even taking the simplest action to get where we need to go. I can tell you this because I have plenty of clients that do this. Mm. And sometimes I just have to sweep it aside and say, we're going to take an action. And here's what I found is most effective because I have trained men in power line work for decades. And in many cases, I train them on how to stay alive and and actually in their personal lives as well, and train them how to be better men. That helps me because they work for me, uh, is to teach them by doing what I call outside-in work. You've heard of inner game, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very popular right now is inner game, inner game, inner game. It's real real easy to get stuck on inner game, though. I'm not discounting its importance, but some guys do get stuck on it, and it becomes their everything. And that's a tough place to be because you need to see results. And a lot of times you're in your game, you're not seeing the results you need. Mm-hmm. So I take a different approach that's probably not taken as often. And that's the outside in. I begin very simply with traits and behaviors of a dominant masculine presence. I couple it with the seven skills that I've defined mm-hmm. as a dominant masculine presence. Which we'll get into. Yeah. Yep. And I kind of, I kind of, take guys to the fact that this alpha beta sociological hierarchy is very limited in his viewpoint and there's something much larger. And then I literally take the guys and I show them body language, what they can do daily and how to present themselves socially. And the reason I do this, I couple that with physical fitness because you can get results within a week. And when you get results, it builds. And so as you build this, you ever hear the term fake it till you make it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think so, we're going to talk about that, too. Yep. So a big part of this book is is based on uh, reinventing your identity or continually cultivating your identity, which is one of the rules of power in the 48 laws of power. Mm-hmm. And so as you do this, you get results immediately. And that tends to encourage a guy to go to the final step, which is the last third of the book, which is emotional durability. Or mm-hmm. emotional regulation and we tackle the really hard emotions guys struggle with which is fear sadness and uh, um, um 
fear, sadness, and grief, you know, anger, I'm sorry, anger. So those are, those are tough ones. We all deal with them. We're all human beings. We don't shut them down. We have to actually make them our slaves and use them, use mm -hmm. them to motivate. And that's kind of a challenge if you start there and you don't have any of the foundational stuff, such as fitness, health, a series of skills, traits, and behaviors for which you can apply to do that. And then at the end of the book, I put a quick reference guide and all my citations so that it's really quick and easy for a guy to put those traits into his head. And I even include a bonus, which is I include feminine traits too. So if you don't know what feminine traits are, they're different than masculine traits. Can a man or a woman have either? Yes, but I identified it just so you kind of know, if you want to know what are the traits I might be looking for in a feminine woman. So that's the book in a nutshell. 286 pages. I do have an audible version available, like we had talked about, and uh, mm -hmm. I narrate it myself. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent stuff. Going back to the masculine masculinity crisis, have you read the book Boy Crisis? <sighs> no, I read a summary only. And that's, isn't that the one by Warren Farrell? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was, uh, it was good. Like he did a really good job, job of breaking down, like, that we have a crisis there's evidence of it and why it came to be but uh i hated that like he gives liberal suggestions on how to solve the problem which was essentially to double down on the shit that got us into the to the problem to <laughs> double down on the white knighting and the belief just, that you're not good enough so you have yeah to just something. double down on uh like instead of being like teaching boys to be more masculine it's like mm -hmm. no have them embrace their femininity and have them do more feminine type work and shit it's like oh okay so you're not solving the problem you're well that's really really a danger today and, and i do take a moment out in chapter nine and it chapter nine is called the warning mm-hmm and the warning talks about this very thing where you might have well-intentioned people broadcasting a prescription or a solution to masculinity and to relationships between men and women. Uh, most of them rely on trendy uh, pop culture solutions that really don't do anything but damage you in the long run or forestall the inevitable, you know, human intersexual dynamics that are going to take a hold of you and whoever you're, you're dealing with. You know, one big example that I use in there is I, I really... I'm really strongly opposed to male vulnerability as a therapy or as a technique or a series of techniques that Brene Brown had introduced back in uh, 2010 and went on a giant TED tour to sell her books and get her $20 million mansion based on male vulnerability as the key to relationships. And I question the fact that that happened over 13 years ago. Where is the improvement in the relationships? And then recently she coupled it with emotional availability, which is another one of these trendy i mean paul are are you emotionally available are you are you emotionally no, hell no. happy are you emotionally no. available to, hey maybe you're emotionally available to go and rape and murder some children i mean that's uh no <laughs> but what I, I know it's absurd right? right but they say you have to be they want you to be emotionally available it means nothing yeah. but it does make women feel good to think that they would have some control over a man's emotional capabilities. Well, it's kind of like how uh, the love language, love language yep. has been around since the, the mid nineties and relationships haven't improved since the nope. mid nineties. It's so mainstream and everyone believes in it and it's, but it's such chick crack nonsense, you know? Well, it's insidious. It's based on the INJT. It's the Myers-Briggs stuff. 
-hmm. which is essentially corporate astrology and zodiac symbols and signs to make the workforce, which we were introducing women at a rapid pace because we wanted to expand the economy, the voter base and uh, debt base, because credit's important to give to these women because they spend, you know, 70, 80% of all consumer debt. Uh, we wanted them to feel good about becoming cube slaves instead of mothers at home and, and uh, participants in society as wives. Uh, but they could have a very fulfilling career, but it wasn't quite good enough. So we had to come up with that Myers-Briggs so they knew what their personality is and how well it played off the other personalities because, you know, the stars were aligned. And right. that freaking took off. And the love languages are based on some of that crap. Yeah. So makes you feel good, though. Oh, it's Oh, it's great. It's great stuff. You know, you can gain some insight into the love language, though, if you read it with the red pill lens and you realize this is how you can get interest and speak to somebody emotionally, though. Mm -hmm. It's not very problem solving, but it makes you ever you ever see the video that they use in corporate training called um, it's called the nail. Yeah. Mm hmm where this gal's complaining about stuff and it's her husband or boyfriend or something sitting across from her and he's like you know he's trying to help her and then you know they, they zoom back and they realize there's a nail sticking right out of her head yeah and she's and like goes it's, not, it's not about goes, the nail okay not. yeah she goes it's not about the nail it gets real pissed off at him yeah <laughs> it's that emotional connection right and then he goes Oh, and then she complains about it some again. He goes, Oh, I'm sorry. You know, I'm just that's, sitting uh, here having a nail. And she goes, Oh, that's all I wanted. <laughs> right. That's all that's straight out of uh uh men are from Mars, women are from Venus. It is that, yeah, totally for sure. Another one of the trendies, yeah. Yeah. So uh, so go let's go to chapter three here. So chapter three is on identity archetypes. Uh, this chapter is all about reprogramming your paradigm into having more of a dominant masculine presence. Would you say that's an accurate statement? Yes. Yes. It's about reinventing your identity or assuming an identity. That's the identity you always wanted to associate with. That's really important for you to develop what everybody knows. Everybody has character, but mm -hmm. some people don't, but we all know what it means. Yeah. You know, if you, Joe Rogan states it perfectly when it comes to character, he has this little video that I talk about in the book, you know, what would you do if you were the hero of your own movie? Mm-hmm. If you were the lead character as the hero of your own movie, what would you do? Well, you'd have to develop that character so that's relatable, not only to the audience, but to you too. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what that chapter is, is rooted in. What do you say to people? Now, I, I agree with all this stuff, 100%. I'm very big on fake it till you make it. You can make your personality however you want to make it. But uh, what do you think about people that are like, oh, well, I don't want to be fake. I don't, I don't, you know, that's, that's playing games. I want to be me. And it's like, but you're, mm -hmm. but being mm -hmm. you sucks, right? Like being you is not getting you the results that you want. Mm -hmm. You got to change something. Yep. So, I do. I do understand that. And that that's kind of, I would never say that it's a cope because the actual meaning of cope is to deal with a difficult situation efficiently. And that's not an efficient way to do it. So that's not the word to use. Right. Um, but it's more of a, it's more of an ego protection to say that, mm. you know, mm. and a lot of folks do get confused when they start practicing the body language and the social interactions, particularly if they're on the spectrum, Paul, mm -hmm. you know, you've seen guys that are awkward socially. And as they there's start, a, there's a lot on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, When they start to interact, they get that creepy vibe. Or they overdo it and because all these guys are running around saying, be confident, be bold. 
So they run around and they disclose everything about themselves in the first 30 seconds to two minutes of everybody they meet, how powerful they are, how wonderful they are, the cars they drive, where they've been. They were a space shuttle pilot and all that stuff, right? That's bad. That makes you look like a douchebag. But they're being honest, right? They're being their true selves and they have to describe these things. Well, there is such a thing as nuance and finesse, and it's always better to have discovery and not disclosure. So there is a fine line about faking things and you shouldn't, you, you don't need to fake things with something like a dominant masculine presence. Mm-hmm. When you acquire this and you understand socially how to operate as a adult mature male that's secure with his character and is comfortable socially. When he enters a room, he takes up the space without looking like a douchebag mm-hmm. with all of that. Everybody knows the big animal has arrived and you don't have to say anything. And Mm -hmm. people like that person because it shows leadership of himself. And that stuff just exudes out as it's electricity. It's electric in the air. Women are extremely susceptible to this. We all know it. We've all seen it. Uh, It's just not alpha. In fact, I go into that right after these types is alpha, beta, gamma. All those things came from the wolf studies, but they're very limited in their viewpoint when you talk about men's personalities. Mm-hmm. It's that dominant masculine presence is much more encompassing. It has a skill set. It has a social skill set. It's the ability to influence people. But um, people that say, I don't want to be fake, don't understand that everybody starts somewhere, Paul. Mm-hmm. And typically you have to fake something. Yeah. But you also have to study. And here's the point I make in the book. If you fake it long enough to where you're getting the actual results, of what you're faking the question is are you really faking it anymore or have you become it yeah and that's that's what i always say about these guys too it's like you you want to become this person that you are are trying to be Mm -hmm. and once you once you become that person you 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 basically change bad habits for new good habits that does become you that that you are being yourself at this point so yeah you know Maybe this isn't the right analogy, but back in the 90s, I studied Brazilian Mm Jiu-Jitsu. Now, the reason I bring this story up is I had the opportunity to roll a few times with a man named Ed O'Neill. Does anybody Mm. know Ed O'Neill? He was the the father figure in Married with Children. Mm -hmm. Bumbling buffoon, no ma'am, shoe salesman, right? Al Bundy. Al Bundy, Ed O'Neill. He's famous for that, right? Uh, And he portrayed that as a slump-shouldered, guy you know former quarterback glory's gone hand-picked wife children stomping all over him you know uh just wanted to watch the game on sundays and relive his life and that was his authentic self too right mm-hmm. the funny thing is people see that when they actually encountered him it's a different person so his real authentic self is shoulders back he's six foot two He's a freaking black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, badass motherfucker down to earth. Nothing mm-hmm. like that character in any regard. So there's something to be learned there. You know, he was able to mold and fake that character, but he did it for the purpose of making a living. Was that the real him fake uh, playing that character? Yep. Was that the real him as the six foot two Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt trained with the Gracies? Interesting, interesting human being, man. Done so many things. Nice to know him, or I've at least met him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's him too. 
And uh, he's become quite successful and prolific as an actor. Mm-hmm. You know, he does burn notice and all that stuff. So I think he was, yeah. on, no, no, Modern Family, right? Modern Family, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He plays, a, he plays a, you know, a wealthy business owner, kind of an, kind of an alpha male guy. He's got a mm-hmm. hot, hot uh, Colombian wife in that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, maybe that's not the best analogy, but the fake it to the make it guys are selling you something. Mm-hmm. You know, and or they have an ego protection saying everything you do is fake. Is there Mm. guys like that? Sure. And you know what facilitates that, Paul? Instagram. Mm. Mm -hmm. But Instagram is a reality distortion machine. It only captures what you allow it to capture. And Mm. it really does. So you, you can you can skim off the top of that waveform of your personality that says I am this wonderful elite playboy. And you don't have to, you don't you don't have to lie. You could just take pictures in the right spot. Let everybody make the assumption because their hamster wheel is spinning. Uh, I'm driving all these rental cars. I, I you know I rented a yacht with a bunch of other guys. We did all this stuff and we had a blast. Is there anything wrong with that? He didn't disclose that he owned it all. He just showed it there. It was just you know the top of the waveform. Mm-hmm. His real life is a you know he might be a junior finance guy working out of a cube for twelve hours a day. Which would he put on Instagram? Right. Yeah. That's yeah. why the, the the guys that, uh, you know, they're like, oh, I'm not going to listen to Paul. He doesn't drive around in a Bugatti. It's like uh, most of the guys that you see online, I'm not saying this isn't an Andrew Tate cut, but there's a lot of guys you'll see online. They don't drive around in Ferraris and Bugattis and shit either. They're just standing in front of one, taking their picture <laughs> or, you know, they're renting one for the Very weekend sure. or something, you know? Um, Chapter four, Thor. Chapter four is on the seven skills of a dominant masculine presence. You're offering this chapter for free, correct? This chapter is for free. Hopefully you can put the link down there in the bottom on the Gumroad. Code is free DMP. And this is chapter four is really the crux of the work. Now, of course, the body language is super important. It goes right in there. In fact, the next chapter I take those seven skills and I actually give you examples of each category where those skills, you know, where the body language applies to those skills. Now, the skills are much broader than that. And when you think about them, you know what? I'll just read them. Really, you know, my good friend, uh, John from MLD, you know, working with him and Myron for a long time, um, because that's where I came from with those guys. The make money, make muscles, learn game was solid for a long time. Just maybe last year before the CME, uh, John brought on hold frame. So it was make money, make muscles, learn game, hold frame as this vision statement for men that wanted to change, you know, their perception out there and do better with women, uh, with their health, with uh, their finances and with how they constructed their lives so that people would want to become a part of it. I hope I summed that up well, because that's pretty good. And so I really kind of defined what those mean. And then I go into the much bigger skill set. And the reason I say it's much bigger is the money muscles game and frame are great foundational things to do. It's something it's, it's a lot. It's with. pretty easy to understand too. Muscles, money, game, easy frame. To understand with, yeah. and it really does start with the muscles because that's something you do right away, which fits perfectly with my outside in approach. You're getting results right now. And, and then you start going from there. Uh, and and so then I take it to the next one, which is these seven skills. If you think about it for a minute, some of the most prominent men 
in history and currently that you would call betas or deltas or even sigma will exhibit some of these skills in an above average manner mm-hmm. and they their lives are better off for it and so they can even be an ugly short balding guy and they have a dominant masculine presence and it results they get results jeff bezos paul bauer seriously yeah think about it so as you think about them or an elon musk or any of the guys that are famous right now some of the sports players think of these seven skills of a dominant masculine presence physicality psychology presence problem solving prosperity power and finally passion they're in that order for a reason uh physicality is just like it sounds it's ability to be functional and above to an above average level or to maintain your health it doesn't mean you have to be a bodybuilder you could be a wrestler or a runner brother (laughs) you gotta have to and physicality goes beyond that part of the body language we talk about is the physicality shoulders back head up and if i'm greeting you on the street brother that's right not up not up not up (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) so we're going to show we're going to show some some dominant deference to each other so that's pretty good you know and another part of it is having that physical capability doesn't matter whether you're disabled legless whatever that physical presence even if you're in one of those spots where you're dealing with something and you're not complete you can maximize it to the point where it's really a, a big deal and it 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 tells everybody you're in control of yourself. But like uh, that, that, that by itself, that reminds me of the guys I see online, like that are in wheelchairs that are doing amazing. Like they're doing pull-ups and Dr. push-ups. And, Stevenson. Yeah. Just crazy stuff like that. Like whenever I see a guy who's, uh, you know, or maybe a guy who's got a, uh, you know, his legs amputated from war or whatever. And he's like deadlifting, you know, 300 pounds. I'm like, I have no excuses. I have zero excuses to not go to the gym today if this guy can do it, you know? Um, so anyway, yeah. No, it's, it's really important. Even a guy like Dr. Sean Stevenson, I mean, the, the man was uh, barely three feet. Horribly deformed from birth, pain everywhere. Had a gorgeous wife, and he molded a beautiful life for himself as short as it was. Mm-hmm. Rest to me, rest in peace. But he had physicality, psychology presence and problem solving he had four of these on lock above average mm-hmm. yeah and, and look what he did with it if you don't know go look up dr sean stevenson and listen to what he did at the end of his life absolutely amazing and then there's psychology which is mindset attitude mental competence social competence runs into the psychology as well there's a ton on this a lot of guys right on this you have a big part of this with your um, law of attraction stuff. It fits right in there. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then it bleeds over into the very next one, you know, psychology, that's your inner game right there. And it's your intersectional dynamics and social, social work there. And then you have your presence. It bleeds over into that. That's your ability to be in the moment and command space around you with authority, congruence, boundaries, grace, manners, expectations, competence, and this also speaks to your ability to engage socially, uh, having a network of friends, acquaintances, all of those sort of things play right into presence and your physical presence, the countenance of your face. That's a big part of it. Would you say presence or would this be more psychology? Just having an awareness of what's happening in the moment and your thoughts in the moment, would that be presence or psychology, do you think? 
Uh, it could be both because mindfulness is psychology, but it also comes into presence too. It can okay. be present moment, but it's also when I say presence, a presence, what really like when I describe a dominant masculine presence and I use these and I talk to uh, particularly women who have fathers in their lives, mm-hmm. 80, 90% of them say, that's just like my dad. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of get a little bit further than this. And when I talk to them, I said, this, I'm describing the vibe and they go, yes, that's the vibe right there. Yeah. That's girls like to talk in vibe and yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you want to, I can feel it. I can feel his presence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is the vibe. And then, you know, the next one is problem solving, which is really, in my opinion, is actually a male's primary agency in life is his ability to problem solve. Whereas mm-hmm. a female's is her sexuality from birth. A man's must be acquired and it is his problem solving ability. And it makes sense in an evolutionary perspective. And it's why we have larger frontal cortex and all of those things and the different parts of the triune brain and how they work, which I talk a little bit about, but that's just, that's a big one. You know, it creates values for other when you can do that. A big part of uh, problem solving is the ability to zoom your focus out, see the big picture, zoom it back in. And the better you get at it, the faster you solve problems in areas of your own life, you end up being noticed and it creates values for others. And people will throw money at you for this. Mm-hmm. They absolutely will. And then prosperity. Prosperity is an abundance mindset, which you talk about in your course, The Law of Attraction. Uh, this is a big part of it, but it's about Monday's an abundance mindset at all levels of your life. And then it's acquiring those resources to meet all of your needs, the needs of others. It includes leadership and abundance behaviors, even if shit's going bad and then it's paying it forward. Mm -hmm. So that's what that's all about. Now, the next one is power. Now this can be looked at a couple of different ways, but the way I describe it here is it's the ability by force of will to shape reality to your benefit or that of others. And it is best expressed as your ability to influence and get things done and command respect. Power is best utilized when you have power over your own life and the direction it is leading. So when I say influence others, it's not at the point of a gun. Mm-hmm. It's, in, it's in two categories when I get into the leadership qualities of a dominant masculine presence. It's inspirational leadership. And it's transformational leadership. Think of inspirational leadership as like, I want to follow that guy. I want to. And then the transformational leadership is the harder question. Damn. For all of us to survive, I got to cut 50 employees loose. But this will take us to the next level. And hopefully they can come back then. Mm -hmm. That's the difference. And those are the two hard ones. Most people choose the servant leader model. And I talk about that. And you can see what happened to Yahoo in the early part of 2012 to 2017. Right. And you can look at that model as in comparison. That's power. And then the final one I like to wrap it up on is developing passion and drive for the love of what is ahead for you in reality or in your imagination. And when you're doing identity work, you will have to imagine and visualize where you want to be. Who do you want to be? You know, which type of leader? I mean, you can pick from anything. There are character traits that you'll adopt from four or five different people in your real life. You might adopt it from a favorite movie character, even an anime character that you associate. What you know, some guys love that cowboy uh, bebop. What, what's that one character, Jet Black? You know, the mm-hmm. family man that's on a mission. He's separated. You know, I mean, maybe that's maybe adopt some of those things. You know, James Bond, baby, James Bond, James Bond. <laughs> 
Precisely. (laughs) (laughs) So those are the, those are the seven skills of a dominant masculine presence. Now think of it this way. Think of somebody famous right now Mm -hmm. and think you could match on most famous people that are making it in life and have, it could be ugly, but have hot women around them or money or whatever. And you could probably fit three of those skills where they excel above average. So I tell my readers, if you pick three of these and, and, and everything you do is concentrating on getting better within those categories and you get above average, you only need three and you've beaten 80 to 90% of the men out there because it's congruent. It's visible. Those are observable by people and it will benefit you in life and you will have a masculine dominant masculine presence. Now you start to do four or five of these. Holy crap. Now you're on it. Now, mm-hmm. as hated as somebody famous is, you know, like a Bill Gates, there is probably a four of these, if not five, that he's above average in. Same mm-hmm. with George Soros. You might want to call him beta. Maybe. But he transcends all that with the success and the power that he wields. Why is that? Because he actually exudes a dominant masculine presence. It's not that limited. Does that mm-hmm. make sense, Paul? Yeah, that does make sense. Um, let me ask you this. Did you intentionally think of seven P words to make these easier to remember? Yes. And oh. in fact, uh, if you think of it, if you do all of these properly, there is an eight P word. Mm. Poon. No, <laughs> equals what? More poon. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're all here <laughs> for. That's what we're all here for. Seven P words. Seven is a holy number. A holy number. Are, are we getting all are we getting all woo-woo numerology here? <laughs> a holy number, my brother. <laughs> yes. And if you remember all 70s using the P, you're gonna get some of the P. So it'll be an unlimited <laughs> supply too. Just ask Jeff Bezos for the hot Colombian MILF. There we go. Perfect, perfect. All right, skip it around a bit, Thor. Uh, in chapter seven, you talk about body language and voice control. Now, a lot of guys don't understand how much women in particular read into body language and tonality and how important that is in intergender sexual dynamics. Um, you, you talk about how men can train themselves on how to change their voice to be more deeper and masculine sounding. Can you, can you explain this process? You talk, uh, it's called, uh, What's it called? The the fate mask something? I can't remember what it's called. Yeah. So I use primarily a simple technique that's been used for a long time. But um, having, having a masculine voice is critical. And you can identify this. Men have changed their voice as actors to adopt masculine style of voices. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally, it's a little bit lower in tone. You can, you can develop some rasp if you want, a little bit of a whisper rasp, or you can be a little more elegant like the 007 guy. But it is never what we have witnessed recently when guys will be speaking and then they'll use something like, oh, I never did anything like that, where guys are actually adding vocal fry now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Come on, Hillary, you know, whining and shit like that. Right. Guys are very comfortable doing that today. And so I point that vocal fry is not for men. Mm-hmm. And uh, so one thing guys have to do is they've been speaking in a higher tone and in a faster pace for quite some time now. And um, now, while that's kind of, that's not really masculine, 
while it can get you, you can overtalk somebody with that, but women do that all the time. They raise their voice and talk as fast as they can. That doesn't do anything. It's, yeah. we all know the guy that's sitting back, listening to the conversation. And then when the eyes look at him, takes a breath, paces correctly, and then speaks and makes one hell of a point. And everybody goes, oh shit, he's the, he's the man. That's the big animal talking right there. The king just talked, you know? So there's a little bit of say less than is absolutely necessary in that, you know, lesson. Now, when it comes to the physical um, exercise of your voice, you should record yourself. You should watch yourself. I do a lot of mirror work, not only with the, um, with the um, face, the countenance. I mean, I talk a lot about how to use your eyes, your eyebrows, you know, your smile, how to rest, how should you rest, open, closed, uh, how you should look, you know, when you're looking at cameras, you know, how do you half smiles or half, you know, you want to be able, I teach a lot about that. When it comes to the voice, you, you must be clear and you have to practice what I call a nasal resonance. Mm-hmm. Or it's called a resonance mask. And this teaches, resonance mask, that's the word I was resonance for. mask teaches you to get that low masculine voice no matter who you are. It will help you. And what it is is you imagine a sleeping mask that you would strap on to go to sleep on an airplane. You guys understand? Mm-hmm. Okay. And your sinuses are here and here. And then you create a tone, any tone. And you lower it and you raise it. And when you lower it and raise it, Paul, you'll feel a vibration in there. That is where you want to feel. And this is really just for practice. Mm. So imagine me doing it. I'd be making a tone. Mm. Now I'm getting it. Now I practice that till I know what that feels like. And then when I start speaking, I drop my tongue so that I create more space in the back of my throat. And then I start to speak in the voice that I want to use. This is really good for dirty talk too, let me tell you, buddy. <laughs> but the point is... Mode one. <laughs> exactly. Ooh, say it again. I will. <laughs> I will. But um, it, it, it comes across as a bit deeper. It will become very natural to you. And when it becomes conversational, people wait, especially if you couple it with the right kind of pacing mm-hmm. and things start to get serious. Then you are paid attention to quite a bit more, you know, with that deeper voice. And you can actually practice that and work on it in the privacy of your own home, record it. And you can, you know, there are apps that'll tell you what tone it is, where it's at on the octave, and you can get it really low. And you can actually practice by dropping your tongue. You can get a much more scratchy or much more nasally. See, I can feel it right here, right now. Uh, but as the faster you get, you tend to lose that. Your your tone goes up. Everybody's tone goes up when you're trying to interject. And then if you're trying to boom and get out there and really say something, then you start to actually sound kind of restrained. You know, you should do it like I say. Well, some of those emotional outbursts, if they're timed correctly, are extremely masculine. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're not. But you have to know when and you have to know where. How do you do it? You watch it. You can watch it because there's a lot of good examples in movies because they embellish this stuff so that they convey the emotion and the masculinity to you. I describe a scene from the television series Vikings in the Mm. book. And I encourage people to go look that scene up when Ragnar returns to his sons because it embodies a lot of the use of the voice 
and the body. He's walking, his shoulders are back, he's surveying everything in the room in such a powerful way. People don't really recognize him at first. He's the king, he's been gone 10 years. His sons are plotting to kill him and take his power. And yes, it's embellished. Yes, it's acted. But you know what? These guys do this because it conveys that message to us, which means we can learn from it. And a softened use in real life is extremely effective. Mm -hmm. And then he commands their respect. He uses a little bit of humor, dry humor. That's kind of dangerous. And then he yells at the end to get their attention and reaffirm it. You know, who's going to kill me? You know, it's pretty powerful. But I use things like that. It's all around us. You can look and see. Mm. Um, anyway, that, I kind of use some examples there, but it's primarily the resonance mass technique to lower your voice and get that uh, nice. And, and, it, and really, it's a technique that vocal AM radio jocks would use. You know, to get that voice, or even the FM. You know, this is Coast One Hundred Four playing you the soft. To get that nice right now, a ASMR. Yes, feel so that it just tingles your ears, right? Yeah, tingle ears. That stuff's really good too if you get into that mode one and you really get a hold of Sterling Cooper's uh, <laughs> course on Dirty Talk. <laughs> you know, you know what this reminds me of. This reminds me of pro wrestling. You know, sure. Jake. Do you know who Jake the Snake Roberts is? Yeah, didn't they all go, yeah, we're gonna talk with that voice, but we're gonna restrain it. Yeah. <laughs> that's more that's more that sounds more like Macho Man. What oh. the thing about the thing, if you if you listen to anybody talk about Jake mm -hmm. the Snake and why he was so powerful, mm. he was really good about keeping his voice really low. There you go. And so what it caused people to do is really stop talking and listen. Yep. Because they're like, I, I can't hear what he's saying. What's he saying? And it would really draw you in. And so he would, he wouldn't be yelling. He wouldn't be cutting the promos like you know Hulk Hogan talking about right. eat, you know, eat your eat your vitamins and say your prayers and all that stuff. Okay, now I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. He would sit there and talk about like, if you mess with me, I'm gonna kill you. You know, very very low. And, Matter of factual. And yeah, and people were like would always be drawn in by him. He was, he was like one of the number one bad guys forever because of the way, just the way he talked. So it's really funny. I drew my inspiration from a guy very similar to that. Mm. Uh, there was a man um, that I knew very closely that I apprenticed my line work under him. And uh, in fact, he was the man that saved my life when I got hung up in 12,000 volts and burned all the skin off my hands and face. He carried me like a baby out of the vault. Uh, he was a Vietnam veteran. He, he worked in the same outfit as Paul, our friend Paul Benjamin did. He was a LLRP, uh, first AmeriCal, and uh, he spent two tours during the Tet Offensive there. He killed people, mm. a lot of them. And, uh, yeah, that's how he always spoke. And the whole freaking room everywhere was shut down and listened to what that guy had to say. Mm -hmm. You know, he didn't spoke much, but when he did, you wanted to hear it. And that's a that's a big deal. I also talk about... When something is posed to you, don't interject. We listen, and this I go into this in the book, Paul. Right now, and I do this too, so we're all guilty of this. When we're on a podcast, we're listening to react. Many times we're listening to react to what someone just said and jump right in there, right? Um, not my favorite uh, to project masculinity. Reacting and jumping in is not the most masculine thing. In fact, it's, it's rather on the other side. But... Um, being able to listen and not react is quite masculine. Even when things are dire or heated, 
you know, you're cold as ice. What about that guy that's cold as ice, man? You can, you know what I'm talking about. They had mm-hmm. just guys that do that in the pro wrestling, like you just talked about. And they command oh, yeah. some, they command a different level of respect always that I always admired. And uh, it's held true for my entire life, you know? So at least that's kind of the identity I wanted to project as much as possible. Sure. Yeah. And, and uh, going back to sort of only saying, whatever is necessary when it's necessary that sort of goes to law four of uh 48 laws of power right to uh always say less than necessary yeah i love that one and then what's the what's the other one do you have that handy the one where it says to constantly reinvent your identity i don't have that handy but i i uh it's funny i'm one of those guys i've i've read 48 laws of power and then anytime like something something pops in my head i'm like i think that's a law i'll go and look it up (laughs) Yeah. But I don't have them all memorized, you know. I might have it here. It's in the back. It's oh, I don't have the number, but it is. It is, you know. It, 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 I definitely use some of this in the book. You know, don't isolate yourself. It's not a lone wolf book about being a dominant master presence. It's definitely not that. But part of that, when you're speaking like that, is you're you're always saying less than necessary. And you are bringing people to you. They want to hear you, you know? And so that, that's a, and you're mastering the art of timing. Yeah. That's actually pretty hard in conversation, particularly the way we do it on some of our panels. We just have to do it that way because we're limited. We're very limited, but in your life, it's not the same. Yeah. On uh, on rule zero, you sort of have to interject. Yeah. Or, Rolo gives me crap for not interjecting enough. <laughs> well, that in that environment, you have to. It is an expected part of the duties, and that's yeah. okay. But people tend to do that in real life. If you pay attention, I want you to pay attention when you're in a social group. You see, you see the girls do that. They get louder and louder and louder and louder. I know a guy. Uh, I I've really noticed this now after studying all this stuff. I noticed this uh, in my day job. I have a guy that works on my team, and he's one of those guys that he feels like he has to say something like to justify whatever he's doing. And so he'll just, he'll just blow smoke, smoke up everyone's ass, right? We'll have a, a status meeting and they'll ask, okay, what, uh, do you have any updates? And like, if I don't have any updates, no, I don't have any updates. Not this time. Yep. Right. Just, there's no reason to, you know, take up the time, you know, it's just a status meeting. And he, in every meeting, will sit there and just knock out, like just sit there and list everything that he's working on, even if it has nothing to do with the project that we're talking about in that meeting. And I, and I, I'll, I pull him to the side several times. I'm like, dude, you don't have to do that. If you, it's called grandstanding. Yes. And I do talk about grandstanding is not good. You end up coming off as the douchebag. Oh yeah. You don't want to do that because, um, that makes you either look controlling or yeah, you, that is not a real masculine thing to do. That's grandstanding. That is really not good. You know, you want to be honestly, if I was going to advise and it is in the book, uh, I forget exactly which piece, but you win through action, not argument. And part mm-hmm. of that displaying that is disclosing and not allowing discovery, uh, allow for discovery. And you know, something that's one of the most pleasurable things out there as a dominant masculine man is when serious things go down and uh, it seems effortless on your side. Oh, damn, everything came apart, man. The 12 KB came down, it blew up this, this. And you're like, yeah, it wasn't that bad. We just, we just, yeah, we worked uh, for four days and got it done. It was no big deal. Just got it done. (laughs) Everybody's crying and throwing a fit and you're just like seeming effortless. You just did your shit, even though you're half bloody and muddy. And the shit's down. It's like, yeah, just 
no big deal. Yeah. And you I carry did. that through your entire life. You're not going to complain about the kids whining and that stuff. The, the, the late old lady can't get you rattled ever. Yeah. That's serious masculinity. They don't get you rattled and they love that. That is so big. Uh, and that gives you the chance to win through action. And not only that, you don't say anything and you're playing to their fantasies. Like what the fuck does this guy have that nobody else has? That's what, uh, going back to James Bond, I mentioned James Bond earlier. There's a line from Goldeneye that uh, I always say when when shit hits the fan and I'm able to fix it at work and people are like, damn, dude, like, are you okay? Did you get enough sleep last night? I'm just like, it was the job I was chosen for. That's a- <laughs> yes, it. Yes, it's perfect because job you, I was chosen you for. don't really disclose. You're really just demonstrating. It, mm-hmm. It's discovery. They're discovering. It's like, Holy crap! You closed seven billions in ass in, in, in invoices. That yeah, yeah, I'm good. You know, I mean, I, I know yeah. what I'm doing. You know, you don't have to say I'm good. You don't have to stroke your own ego. You can just go, yeah, it is. It is complex, but I understand it fully, and uh, it's part of the job. One of the one of the greatest compliments I ever got. This was like four or five years ago. We had a major outage. We had a major. Um, we had a backplane go out on a, a storage array. And it brought down like the company to its knees, right? And um, my guys and I were working, we were working all night trying to work with uh, the vendor to get the like equipment replaced and all that stuff. Finally got everything working. I hadn't slept in like 48 hours. I come walking back in the office and um, and this lady, Layla, who's, uh, she's been with the company the longest, right? She's like this, uh, this older lady from Morocco. She, I just hear her. She, she goes, God damn, Paul's a soldier. <laughs> and I just, I just walk in like, Isn't that just great? like, like, like I just been blown up. Like, yeah, like just the worst night ever. And I just came walking in like, well, it's another work day. Let's keep going. <laughs> so you like, just keyed on a, an important principle, a super important principle in a dominant masculine presence is when you have that, that's mm-hmm. who you are. She mm-hmm. knows that's who you are. And what'd she say? He's a soldier. You think about that. That is the vibe of mm-hmm. a dominant masculine presence. You didn't complain. You did what had to be done. And to her, that's insurmountable. She'd be complaining. It might be her time of the month. She's got to go her kids. She's tired. She can't think right. Her emotions are flowing. And you know what? That's okay because she's not really built for the same things you are. You're mm-hmm. built for combat. You're built for that stuff. You're built for protection. You're built for security. You're built for problem solving in ways that really isn't instinctual. Or can she learn to solve problems? Yes. But your primary agency is problem solving. You've coupled that with your dominant masculine skill set, which women don't do that. Their primary mm-hmm. agency is their sexuality. It really is. And as offensive as that sounds to the ladies, thank God it is because it makes me really love them more and actually hold them in in such a place that you know we couldn't be the men we are without women existing in the world you know mm-hmm. <laughs> false law right they made us into dominant masculine well half the shit we do is it's so that we can get that poon anyway you know i mean all we would all be living in mud huts if it wasn't for the women <laughs> the seven p words dude <laughs> <laughs> all right the uh the last chapter I want to ask you about, and then we can uh, we can wrap this up, sure. is chapter 10. It, chapter 10 is on emotional durability, and that to me is probably one of the hardest things for men to master. Uh, we all like to think that we're these rational beings, but at the end of the day, we're all emotional meatbags, as, as Ryan likes to say. 
Um, man, just, just yesterday, or was it yesterday? No, it was Saturday, right before rule zero. I like to think that I have pretty good emotional control these days. I used to have a really bad temper, but I go to walk out. This is maybe uh, about 30 minutes to an hour before rule zero starts. And um, at the time of this recording anyway, and I go to walk out to go drop a, a, a letter in my mailbox and I go outside and my neighbor's fucking dog is running down the street. And this dog is a, is a nuisance. It, it's normally in her yard. It barks at everybody. I can't go outside without it just losing its mind, barking at me. And it, it's, it's, it's really annoying. But so far, I've just sort of put up with it. Well, this time, the dog is out. And it sees me and comes charging me. And I was like, I was like, whoa, back up. And it was, uh, it wanted to, it wanted to, it was backing me into my house. Challenging you. Right. So I, so I got, I got back in my house. I went around, I, I went into my garage. I grabbed a baseball bat. I came out from the side and I was like, let's go dog. Right. And I was just like, I was pissed. I was so fucking pissed at this dog. I just lost all control. Just fucking losing it. Like I was going to fucking kill this dog. And the neighbor comes out and she sees me chasing her dog with a ball bat. And I'm screaming at this dog and she's like, Oh, is that my dog Willow? And I go, yeah, control your fucking dog, right? Because I'm, I'm, I've lost all emotional control at this point, mm -hmm. and I'm yelling at her, like, control your fucking dog. I'm sick of your dog. It's always out here barking, and this time it tried to fucking attack me. And then, she, so then she yells at me. She goes, go back in your fucking house. And then I just, I just lost it even more. And I was like, no, control your fucking dog. I'm gonna get the fucking cops over here, right? Right? I'm just losing my shit. And so it all ends. I go mail, put the mail in the mailbox. She's yelling at me more. I yell at her some more. I go back in the house and I come back in and I'm just like adrenaline's pumping. I'm fucking mad. And I'm just like, God damn it. Like I really, I really did lose my fucking emotional control there. And I try not to do that so much, but God damn it. That dog was going to fucking attack me. So I kind of feel like sort of justified but at the same time i'm like i could have handled it better and so going back to this emotional durability i mean like a, a lot of us a lot of us guys like to think we're rational all the time but for fuck's sakes we get we let all our of us get the best of us all of us paul it, it, yeah. this is a never-ending battle i mean you know i mean i quote victor frankel and some other guys in there this is the never-ending battle really mm -hmm. and this is the one that makes the difference for really a man in an esoteric way, a spiritual way, an actual physical way, you know, you have to kind of adopt a moniker of never letting your emotions distract you from what needs to be done as a man. And that's a hard one because you're going to run into situations in life that are going to only make you, you're going to get the freeze, you know, you're going to get the fight, flight, freeze mm -hmm. uh, uh, emotions that come in and hit you right there at the basal ganglia. And now it's driving you know, that uh, limbic system to squirt emotions all over your frontal neocortex to get immediate thought reactions. I do talk about a couple things there that help. Uh, I talk about uh, the triune brain and what that's all about. You know, the basal ganglia with the lizard brain where emotions start to come. Instincts meld there. Emotions come in on the limbic system and they actually are very fast for making uh, decisions. Excellent survival strategies. That's why women are much more emotional. It makes them perceptive. It's hard to communicate. Words don't really work that way. It's a it's a it's a battery of feelings, emotions, and moods. 
And then, of course, the frontal neocortex is the biggest in the human species, and that adds logic and rationality, and that's our problem-solving skill set right there and how we can filter those emotions to our advantage. It's pretty amazing when you start to look into it. What I do to have guys help with a, a reg, emotional regulation is I define something that's not defined well today. I define feelings, emotions, and moods. Okay. How many people can define the difference between feelings and emotions? I think most people, they, they, they just lump there, them together. There is a medical way. <laughs> and it, mm -hmm. I think it's useful when you're trying to regulate your emotions. Feelings, if you look it up in the medical dictionaries or if you look it up anywhere outside of uh, modern urban dictionaries and Wikipedia, which is edited by people that don't know, feelings occur in the body. Feelings occur in the body and they can be generated by external stimuli or internal stimuli of the various systems within the body. Have you ever had the ability to walk outside and the sun is just right and the hair on your neck tingles and you get goosebumps? Sure. Have you ever had that thought where you can do the same thing? You ever hear a woman say she's got the tingles? Uh, I, I like to use the term jingles. Yes. But jingles is an important one too because they literally <laughs> do get that in the presence mm -hmm. of a dominantly masculine present man. They can't help it. They'll conceal it though, and that's okay. Uh, that's part of their plausible deniability. We can get into that on another episode because I got a surprising statistic about this little book here because I didn't put it in a certain category, and it's it's doing really well in a category of mate seeking. Mm. It's not about seeking mates, but it's doing quite well there. Mm. Um, I got to talk to you about mm. about which categories to put my book in one yeah. some some other time. Yeah, <laughs> but but let's talk about those feelings. So feelings generate emotions. This mm -hmm. is base feelings body. So something happens in the body or an, or an organ or the brain can trigger a feeling. Feelings mm -hmm. travel at the speed of blood and nerves. And then emotions travel at the speed of nerves, right? Boom, it's right there. Emotions lay in that middle part of the triune brain. Mm -hmm. You know, this is where you get the anger, the fear, the, the hate. I mean, the dog's coming at me. There's a little bit of fear there. Shit, he's going to bite me. God damn it. I don't like that. Anger boils up, right? Yeah. And then resentment comes in. It's like, well, you know what? Fuck it. I am over it. I'm sick of it. This has happened before. I'm, I'm sick of this fucking this neighbor's dog. She doesn't control it. Yeah. Time dilation starts to change. Now, here's the thing. Feelings last from seconds to minutes. They really do. Mm -hmm. They're that immediate nerve to blood, and then they come back. They express hormones. A lot of times feelings will express cortisols. Um and uh, different brain chemistry. And then emotions last minutes to hours. Think about mm -hmm. it, they do. That anger that you felt, and then the resentment, and then the kind of remorse for the behavior, mm -hmm. you probably carry with you to the afternoon. Oh, sure. Yeah, no, I'm still, I still think about it. I'm still yeah, thinking no, about it, especially when, it, especially when I walk outside, I'm like, I think I, I really ruined all relations with this neighbor after my, my yeah, fucking- We, we, we can fix that. Um, <laughs> but when you couple the feelings, with yeah. the emotions, which, you, you know, where the feelings keep pumping in past those minutes, you have more and more and more, and then it needs more and more um, uh, uh, emotions. The couple those together in the frontal neocortex, and you start to rationalize, like, I'm going to kill that dog, whatever, whatever. The end result is you come up with a mood, which lasts from days to weeks. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so remember your feelings, minutes to, you know, seconds to minutes, maybe an hour. And then emotions from minutes to hours. 
and you couple those two together and sustain them and you end up with moods. Yeah. Moods can last from days to weeks. And in some cases when there's is a mental issue or a circumstantial issue of depression, things like that, it can last for months. And that's, that's a real serious because when you get the moods, you got that frontal neocortex firing off, which is in and of itself creating more bodily feelings yeah. that then strike that middle part of the brain. And now you get more emotions flooding in. It's a really, really tricky place. So a lot of men, when they realize that's what's going on, they can start to literally learn how to control those feelings. A lot of times yeah. you can take immediate physical action will help. Yeah, I've, I've noticed uh, over the years with just working on that sort of stuff is uh, being aware of it is key right? Mm -hmm. Like, so like, I, I, I'm not in a bad mood because of it. I mm -hmm. generally, I like, I think it's kind of funny now, but, um, but I think it probably would have, I probably would have built, you know, just, you know, based on I, everything I learned from my father, you know, I would have held some serious resentment towards my neighbor over the, you know, probably even right now. I, I don't, um, you probably have some resent, resentment on your behavior. That's a, a bit of a mood, you know, it's like, not a little bit, maybe remorse. A little bit of remorse a little bit and then at the same time i'm like she totally fucking deserved it though because she really her, her dog's been is out of control and it it needed she needed to hear it <laughs> she, you know take the dog out of the picture imagine yeah. her brain for a minute mm. here's a, here's a creature she loves she doesn't know what happened something's happened this guy looks hyper aggressive he's bigger than me bigger than the dog i'm gonna have to puff up like the little puff at her you know, and here's an emotion. Actually, I think she's bigger than me, if you know what I mean. If you do, <laughs> okay. Uh, hippopotamus are one of the most dangerous creatures and actually kill more people than alligators. Good point. Good, good, good point. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe take her a watermelon. Yeah. No, I could, I could see why. Um, and it, which is, which is interesting though, because she got, she got really defensive of me telling her to control her dog, which a lot of people around here do. Cause I've had other dogs while I'm out jogging, come and charge me. And then I've, I've yelled at their owner, like, Hey, come and get your dog. Right. And then they come, they yell at me. Like I, I shouldn't be upset that their dog is trying to charge me. Right. And I'm like, are you for real right now? Cause that as a dog owner, if my dog was acting that way, I'd be extremely apologetic. Like, Oh, I am so sorry. Let me control this dog. I did not let, you know, she doesn't normally act like this or whatever, but people around here are like, no, it's your fault. It's your fault for being in your own yard. And my dog jumped into your yard and attacked you. That's your fault. Somehow. I'm yeah. like, what makes no sense. People are retarded. Out you ever here, hear but... the term good fences make good neighbors. Yes. <laughs> no. Too bad. Her, her fence must suck. Cause her dog got out. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. You that's, know, uh, <laughs> I get it. I totally get it, man. Uh, I need to read your book five more times. That's well, no, one of one of the things like you know, uh, anger anger is a bit tougher, you know. But uh, sadness is one that I work mm -hmm. with. Physical activity for sadness is a very good thing. Changes brain chemistry. Uh, some people take to physical activity or a mental activity to anger a little bit better to get into a mental activity. Yeah. But um, one of the things is, is you need to be able to, you know, yes, this is a very stoic approach, but it's a little bit different. Regulating emotion is expressing those emotions when you choose to and mm -hmm. how you choose to. It's not shutting emotions down. It's recognizing that this is hitting my uh, limbic system and it's squirting these emotions into my neocortex so I can justify an action here, an immediate action, you know, uh, not one that I rationally think through a lot of times. 
So, you know, just knowing how those things function can help a lot. Um, you know, one thing is, is, you know, Hey, I'm safe now. I'm going to have to deal with this dog later. You know, do I want to go get a baseball bat because I'm pissed that he startled me? Mm -hmm. Somehow did I feel like I was, you know, or do I want to take a different approach on this? Maybe, maybe look at, you know, working with her. Is your fence not repaired? Is there something I can do to help this out? I might need this neighbor to look after my property. You know, maybe mm -hmm. I can take an approach like that. Maybe I've, 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 I've thought about because her dog's always out barking. But at the same time, uh, I've thought about going over there and like knocking on her door and say, hey, you got to do something about this dog. But the, the dog guards that property. So it's like, I can't go in there. That dog's going to bite me as, as I'm trying to go up or over and get her attention. Yeah, so it's always so it's always been it, this, this, this. The only time I've ever talked to her about it is uh one time the dog was just losing its mind so i was like i'm just gonna sit out here on the patio sure i sit out here on the patio until she comes out to find out what the fuck the dog's barking about there, there's other approaches that i probably you could cut out of here that i can tell yeah. you yeah um, well you can, you can tell me after we wrap yeah too. because because there, there there's if it's really that kind of a problem there's ways to solve it you know? well i you don't have uh, to be I, confrontational with her yeah. but but well, sometimes being confrontational is actually what you need to do well I think I was the most confrontational I could have possibly been in that moment. So, uh, well, I have her dog hasn't been outside since Saturday. See, so. that was a <laughs> masculine approach then is you threw some aggression at her and she's like, Oh shit, that dude's serious. Yeah. Well, it, I the way the, timing, timing is good. Yeah. The, the way I look at it now is I looked up the local laws. It's like, all right, well, if you're going to be a bitch to me about it, when your dog's the one clearly in the wrong, I'm just going to, I'm just going to call I'm the cops. Control. Animal yeah, control. animal control. They they said if a dog's being a nuisance outside, just call them and they'll come and deal with it. Perfect. There we go. That is that that's what I was gonna go at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Just just use them. Use them as your buffer. You know. Mm -hmm. You know, and the squeaky wheel gets the grease. So yeah. or the oil. You know. So that that's one way to do it too. You know. Yeah. But uh, but you want to plan for it. Is she mm -hmm. the kind of person that now that this grudge is going to go on, there's going to be code enforcement at your place? See, there's other things to do. And so yeah. you'll think it through. Luckily, yeah. uh, luckily, we live in unincorporated Delta County. Perfect. So so there's no there's no ordinances really that she can really call on. And, and her property looks way worse than mine. So it's like, I'm not too worried about that sort of thing. And luckily, this all just blows over and she just decides to do something about her dog. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll keep, see keep the fence good, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thor, this has been a fun conversation as always. Uh, where can people find your book and where can they find you online? Absolutely. You can find my book on Amazon. It's available in every format, hardcover, softcover, and uh, Kindle. It is also available on Audible, which I would highly encourage everybody to get. It's a very reasonable price and uh, I got some really good reviews on it. So let's get it going uh give it a if you have an audible subscription just yeah one of your credits there absolutely you and then if you want and you want it much faster than that you can go over to become durable.com it's available in a signed copy all you got to do is pay the retail price and the shipping flat rate and uh, i will sign it and i will ship it to you individually i just shipped out some uh, hard covers today and uh there's actually a, a video audio version 
of the book on there that you can buy at a discount. So you can do it that way too. It ends up being a streamable video of the audio. So you can do it that way too if you can't wait uh, for your credit to come back at the end of the month at Audible. But uh, you can do it that way. And of course, you can find me and Paul in the Dragon Ship on Saturdays. And you know, hopefully we'll get a chance to do a couple more of these on some other subjects because, damn, it's it's just good to talk to you, man. Uh, it's really cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to come over and visit you on Beer Club, too. So I'm joining Beer Club. Yes, join the Beer Club, guys. All right. Uh, well, that's it. I'll let you have your night back, Thor. Thank you so much. Thank you, buddy. Thor, thank you for joining me. Thank you for talking about your book. You know, you're always welcome back. You're welcome back anytime. Uh Man, th that book is, I've added it to my multiple read list. It's, I think it's that important of a book and it, you, uh, you're very humble about it, but it's, I think it's a, it's a very good book. I think it's important for, for all men to read that. So I will, I will never stop promoting that book. <laughs> never, never. All right, Thor, thanks again for joining me, man. I appreciate it. Guys, if you haven't done so already, please like subscribe, hit those notifications. Please, if you haven't done so yet, drop a comment, even your favorite emoji, doesn't matter. Follow me on social media. The links are in the description. Get on the email list, list.comeonmanpod.com. I'll send you some free stickers. You can get the, the PDF with 20 dating app openers. Check out the Practical Law of Attraction course, loa.comeonmanpod.com. Get on the beer club. The next hangout is October 26th. We're going to have a Halloween hangout this time. And it's only 10 bucks a month. It's a good group of dudes. It's a good outlet for men. And then finally, if you guys want any kind of coaching, coaching's available at gumroad.comeonmanpod.com. That's all I have for this episode. Stay tuned for Wednesday for the live stream. We'll talk to you guys later. This has been the Come On Man podcast. New full episodes served hot every Monday morning on your favorite podcast platform of choice. So subscribe now. Follow Paul on social media. The links are in the description. Now, go out and get it.